Welcome to TP Talks. On today's episode, we are going to address the technology sector and some of the unique transfer pricing challenges companies in this industry face. My name is Ben Brewer, and joining me today are Marios Karayanis and Matthew Haig, both from our transfer pricing practice in San Jose, California, in the heart of Silicon Valley. Marios is the global transfer pricing leader for the technology industry and the senior transfer pricing economist on the West Coast. Matt is also an economist and is the national coordinator for PwC US's national economics team. Both Marios and Matt have served as adjunct professors at San Jose State University teaching transfer pricing. Let's get started with our discussion. Marios, what do you see as some of the unique pressures in the technology industry? How do these factors impact transfer pricing in the technology sector? And when you think of uh, transfer pricing for um, uh, companies in the technology sector, you really need to understand and appreciate some of the unique characteristics that companies have in this, uh, in this environment. And the first uh, and most important characteristic is the existence, ownership uh, of valuable technologies and innovation. And uh, those uh, technologies for companies in the sector are a unique value driver that not only distinguishes them from other industries, but it is, in effect, a, um, a requirement, a prerequisite to even be in this sector. However, those uh, valuable technologies require constant nourishment because for companies to remain relevant in this sector, they need to constantly uh, invest and uh, innovate, which makes this environment highly competitive. Pace of change for uh, in the technology sector is very rapid, and uh, a company that today may be considered as having a breakthrough technology uh, tomorrow could very easily become old news and superseded by someone else. And so, uh, you have to be very vigilant to remain uh, relevant. And, and I will add that uh, because these technologies are unique, they're also hard to value, and that causes pressures under audit by the IRS and other tax authorities. They're highly scrutinized, highly challenging issues, and we find that tax authorities tend to focus when the technology is successful or there's a breakout success, and they tend to not audit or ignore when things don't go well and there's a failure. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Focusing on the software and internet sector for a moment, what are some of the challenges for companies with portable delivery models, such as cloud-based services? So some of the challenges uh, for portable delivery models is there's not this clear supply chain from raw materials and manufacturing to distribution and delivery physical presence being important in the traditional economic models or business models. Now things are much more portable. Servers could be centralized, customers located around the globe, and also the, the level of delivery can be turned up or down like a faucet. So this leads to particular challenges in, for tax authorities and what's an appropriate way to tax these models while, of course, not wanting to stifle the innovation. So this is a, a challenging uh, task for, for authorities. Yeah, and, and I would add, Matt, that apparent disconnect when tax authorities look at uh, how companies uh, in this particular subsector of the technology industry generate revenue, uh, where there may be customer-facing uh, operations 
in one country, but because services are delivered remotely, a lot of the key assets that either house or use and exploit uh, the technology that the company has developed is residing in, in another jurisdiction. And that disconnect needs to be really explained and understood from a tax authority perspective as well. It becomes harder when the BEPS action plan has attributed and focused so much on people presence, thinking that uh, the key control of valuable assets and therefore attribution of income has to uh, follow where people actually reside, which is highly inconsistent in many ways uh, from the way companies like, let's say, SaaS companies or cloud-based companies operate. Interesting. So then what advice do you have for technology companies in addressing challenges posed by the OECD BEPS requirements and increased disclosure requirements worldwide? Well, then I would say that companies really need to help the tax authorities by explaining what the key value drivers are so that those tax authorities don't try to place the value in, uh, you know, in the wrong jurisdiction just because it fits their traditional models. Also, I think it's important uh, for companies to present their unique facts and circumstances and not just either traditional facts or broader level industry facts that may not be relevant for these companies. Some of these companies have subsectors that are different from the broader sector. You hear of companies, maybe they're a memory semiconductor company, and that's a commodity, and that's not the same as the broader semiconductor industry. You know, when, when we think of these disclosure requirements, I, I think we have to appreciate that the world has changed, and transparency is not only a key theme of, uh, of the BEPS, uh, you know, action papers, but it's also, it is a, a fact that we're all going to have to live with. Governments want uh, more disclosure, uh, they want more information, and they want information that previously was not necessarily made available to them. Uh, and perhaps, arguably, uh, some taxpayers would think it's not relevant to provide, but nevertheless, uh, we have to embrace the fact that uh, these new disclosure requirements are here, and we have to perhaps start looking at them not only as a compliance burden, which of course it is in many cases, but also uh, see if there are opportunities uh, available for us. For instance, uh, the information we have to collect now or companies have to collect in order to meet the new disclosure requirements uh, could be analyzed in different ways with new tools and provide insights that uh, can help management optimize their operations or fine-tune uh, their operating structures. Also, in putting together the new documentation that is required, there is an opportunity for uh, companies and tax departments to tell the story about who they are and why they operate the way they do and what's important for them as a business in their own words, in a more comprehensive manner, uh, knowing that that story will be read by tax authorities throughout the world. And in some situations, uh, that uh, documentation can also extend from being a simple compliance requirement uh, to creating a framework for audit defense in the future.
Marios, how do you anticipate pending U.S. tax reform is likely to impact technology companies and their intercompany transactions? Well, that is, that is a million-dollar question, isn't it? Um, everyone is looking at uh, pending tax reform with keen interest uh, and is trying to understand what that means for them and for the economy at large. The reality is we won't really know until we see exactly what type of tax reform we get, but also uh, the timing of any new changes in tax law and new provisions are enacted as well as uh, any transition rules that are going to be put in place. The one thing that's fairly clear in my mind is that the tax reform will affect companies in different ways. And even when you think of uh, companies within the technology sector, you're likely to find that uh, there will be differential impact from one company to another. I'll give you an example. Uh, if you are a, uh, say, a semiconductor company that relies heavily on manufacturing assets in order to produce and sell your products and, and uh, make use of your technology, you might be affected very differently from certain types of, of tax reform than if you are a fabulous semiconductor company, for instance. And, and even then, uh, the impact could be very different on an internet-based company or a cloud-based company that operates in, uh, uh, in a more virtual environment. And I would say that tax reform is certainly an impetus for change, but before any change should happen, I think the first thing companies should consider is what is going to, the impact going to be on my existing operations? As I do things today, it's important to assess how are these new tax laws going to impact me? Once we get our hands around that impact, we should also keep in mind one more thing before we change. This is not a static environment. Other countries will react and respond. They may or may not make changes themselves, but they will have the opportunity to react, and in doing so, that might impact our planning down the road. So in order to stay ahead of the curve, we should anticipate there will be a response rather than just always reacting to what's in front of us. Thank you both for that very interesting discussion. If you would like to contact either Marios or Matt, their email addresses are provided in the description of this podcast episode.